Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Loud and Local continues on The Rock with Kevin Deers, 99.9 KISW. Hey, what's going on? It's Kevin Deers. It's been a little while since I've made a video. Uh, my last one was with a band called Demon Hunter and uh, had them on this show, uh, this YouTube show. I'm new to YouTube, but I'm, I'm, I'm speaking with someone who is not new to YouTube. He is a YouTube, <laughs> dare I say, YouTube celebrity. No. Uh, he is, he's a, a heavy hitter in the YouTube world known as Fluff, also known as Ryan uh, Bruce. He's from the band called Dragged Under. Uh, and also, uh, what's the official name of your YouTube channel? Uh, Riffs, Beards, and Gear. That's right. So you may recognize him from that. You may recognize him from, from on the stage. Um, I, I've been uh, homies with this guy for a while. Shout out to our okay. mutual friend, Steelman. Yeah, dude. How is Steelman doing? I... I mean, I think he's doing as good as we all can be right now. Probably yeah. cooped up inside, I'm assuming, but I don't know. I would assume so as well. Yeah. What's up, Steelman? Hi, Steelman. Miss you. Yeah. Um, so, dude, uh, I guess I, I, I kind of just wanted to chat. Uh, last time uh, you we last time I had Dragged Under on the show was actually just Anthony. Um, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, uh, you had some stuff going on. You couldn't come into the night that night, but he debuted some brand new songs from, uh, what, what would become your album. The world is yeah. in your way. Um, so first off, how have you been, man? Um, obviously the last few months have been kind of strange. Uh, how have you been staying safe, staying sane, staying active? Staying so the weird, the weird part about doing, so when I'm not on tour, I'm doing YouTube videos. I'm doing super nerdy guitar stuff in my home studio. And the funny part is all of my friends and family's lives have just been turned completely upside down. And mine is exactly the same as it was before. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, I've just stay in the house and I crank out videos. I get my, the only difference is I get my groceries delivered now, Okay. Um, which I never did before, which yeah. is kind of, it feels very, uh, at first it feels very aristocratic, I guess. It feels very like, it feels, it feels terrible. Like you're just some giant, uh, ass basically, but, uh, it's, it's necessary. It's, it's for the health of everybody. So, um, but other than that, honestly, it, it's not really changed anything as far as that side of my life goes. Um, I mean, we probably, the band would have been on tour by now, but we've been working on, some other stuff and we signed a record deal and then we're working on some other new songs and then we're starting to kind of spool up for album number two. Yeah. Yeah. 
So uh, you guys released the album so uh, on your own, right? Is, or did you release did. It the label? Okay. Yeah, it was a cr- pretty interesting uh, series of events. We had a the demos circulated all over the place, and we had a few very, very, very small labels reach out and kind of kicked some tires. And we were like, you know what? We're releasing this on our own because yeah. we wanted it out. We were, uh, the used were gracious enough to take us out for their U.S. tour. But we'll get to that. And we wanted the album out before we left for tour, basically. Yeah. Uh, so we were dead set on putting it out. And we put it out on our own. And the tour started in San Diego and it went basically up the West coast over to the, over to New York down and basically made a big circle around the whole United States. And by the time, so we started in San Diego, by the time we got to New York, we played the Gramercy theater. There were 12 labels in the audience to watch us Wow! from word of mouth of our live show. Cause we're a little, we like to have a lot of fun, jump around yeah. and kind of climb trusses and hang off stuff. And there were a lot of people there to see us. Um, which we did not know about until afterwards. Our, uh, our manager, Joey plays guitar in the used and, uh, he didn't tell us until afterwards, like all these labels were there to see us, but, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So the tour was insane and awesome. And so by the time we came off that tour, we had to, we, we got, uh, our, our buddy, Eric, um, who's a very, very, uh, he's a lawyer. Uh, we, mm-hmm. we had to hire, hire a lawyer. Uh, so we share a lawyer with, with five finger death punch now. And, uh, okay. which is pretty nuts, but Eric is the best. And so we had to, we had to get a team around us to, to field all of these things that were coming in and that yeah. took months. So you didn't want to be that classic band that like, you know, didn't read the contract. <laughs> well, exactly. You hear like these record stories, deal. Right? Yes. You hear these horrible horror stories and you're thinking like, why don't you just read your contract or why don't, right. you, why don't you spend the money to, so like we spent the money and we, we had someone go over it and then fight for us. Awesome. And in the end, um, we ended up signing to mascot records who have, uh, who put out the first three full, full beat records. Yes. Uh, first couple of Gojira records. Mm-hmm. Um, POD is still on the roster along with Joe Bonamassa and Blackstone oh. cherry and Crobot and 10 years. Um, but Ron, Ron and company have been, dude, they're literally like the coolest dudes that we broke down super hard. And I think, uh, yeah, we all, we all had too much, too much drink in New York. It was awesome. Nice dude. I get, I get promo from, from mascot. So I, I definitely am familiar with their roster and, and they also, I mean, being that they have artists like, um, like, like, like you said, they have, uh, artists like they had Volbeat, like, obviously they uh, know how to work radio, you know? So yes. that's, uh, they, and they just, they're, they're global. And uh, a lot of people actually got like a lot of people that were upset that we didn't go to like, you know, solid state or epitaph, which we could have, but we didn't want to be a, just another band on a roster that had a bunch of bands like us. Like we are the only band that sounds like us mm-hmm. on mascot. We want all the attention. So yeah, that's, that's why it made sense for us. And they're also the coolest people and they're so stoked. So that's awesome. Are they based in the United States here? Or are they, uh, overseas? They're, they're head, they have a headquarters in New York, but their main headquarters is in Italy. And then yeah. they also have one in, 
I think down in the Pacific Rim somewhere. Like they're literally just worldwide. Cool. Yeah. You're very, well, very congratulations, cool. man. So Thanks, man. Is, the, uh, is the album, the world is in your way. Uh, is that going to be like distributed through them or are you still just handling that yourselves? Uh, no, it is. So they basically, the record is now theirs. Okay. Cool. And there may or may not be a new version nice. of things that I'm not supposed to talk about, but whatever you're the okay. homie, uh, no one's yeah. going to see this anyway. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, there's going to be some cool things uh, coming in just the next few months. Um, cool versions that we were never, never able to put out on our own and, uh, things like that. So, uh, back when I had Rust Repose, your, your prior yeah. band, uh, prior to Dragged Under, up on Loud Local, we were talking about how crazy it was that you guys were on the billboard and you guys were an unsigned band, never on a yeah. label. Um, and, and, it, and now it's, uh, it, you're taking that extra, that, that step. You're taking that step to be on a label. What's it feel like for you, man? It, it must feel pretty cool and a little bit of validation, maybe? Yeah. Um, we, you know, it's such a weird 180 with rest repose myself and our singer, Tony, we're in rest repose together and everything that band ever did was 100% DIY booking the tours, doing all the, you know, the book stuff, the money stuff, the gear stuff, the maintenance stuff. Like we had no help and no one, you know, it was just as far as like the business side or anything like that, we had nothing. And we did so much on our own, did us tours and all this stuff. And to see how much we've learned, I don't, I don't think we would be in the place that we're at now. Had we not learned all we did with that band. Okay. Um, and so knowing how the gears and the cog of the machine works and things, and, and honestly, streaming numbers do matter. You know, um, mm -hmm. we had, by the time the album was released, it had a million uh, streams already from the ramping singles. And then within the first couple of months, right now it's at four and a half million streams. That's awesome. like that, which is nuts for an independent album. Oh yeah. That, that especially, so, a band, so, especially a band, someone that with guitars. Yes, exactly. We're not hip hop. We're yeah. not, you know, just, we're a rock band mm -hmm. and um, it's very, very validating. It's also, it's also strange to like, you know, um, I'm, I can only speak for myself and maybe a little bit, Tony, but we're so used to having control over everything. And, to, and it's, for me, it's very, very nice to just, I want someone else dealing with that crap. Like, yeah. you know, whatever it is, getting graphics for this or logistical release stuff or, you know, uh, Facebook ads and pushing this numbers. I don't, I don't care anymore. Like, ugh, yeah, do it. they have a team that does that and they're working to do like, that's their job. Right. So you yeah. can focus on, on the music, which is, is probably a relief because we come from DIY where, like you said, you know, you're doing everything. And so the uh, time and attention that you pay to the, the little things, the, the little stresses about like getting back to people in time or, you know, sending in that design on time or doing these little things, it might not seem like much, but they probably am like kind of like build up, and all of that time is time that you're not putting yes. in the, the actual like product, like the music and, and what got you there. Uh, even things as small, this is going to sound silly. Um, but it was specifically mentioned to us by mascot that our single artwork, we had the same artist and we all, we had a uniform aesthetic to anything we put out in public 
And that communicates a brand, a uniform brand to people, which we were very, very conscious of because we didn't do any of that stuff with Restropose. So it was just a, a conscious thing. We wanted to do it right. And if, it, if something happened, cool. And if not, that's fine. But at least we know we did it right. And yeah, pretty cool. So Restropose is like the training. And then now you're just like, you're re- you're, you're there. Okay, cool. Very much so. Very much so. So has your daily schedule changed at all during the pandemic? Or like you said, just pretty much the same. Pretty much the same. Although <laughs> um, the second the second the COVID thing is over or subsided, like we've already been told, like you guys are gone. Yeah. I'm like, we, you guys are gone on like a world tour for like the next year. So say goodbye as okay. soon as that thing is over. So we're like, Oh God. So it's calm before the storm now, but yeah, we're going to be all over the place as soon as we can. Uh, hang out with your family while you can, uh, socially distanced, yeah. of course. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk a little bit about the tour, man. You guys, uh, holy crap. Like, so the first tour that you do is with the used, which is huge. I saw some of the crowds. You guys took a few pictures yeah. of the crowd and behind you or like the stage shots with you guys on stage. Like you said, you guys have a crazy wild live show. Um, what were some standout moments, dude, from the tour? Cause that's man. Epic. Um, honestly, the first one that sticks out in my mind is getting the tour. Um, the used guys, actually it was Bert, the singer of the used that actually was suggested. We start over, we drop rest repose. And, um, they were the ones that heard our initial demos for the music a year prior. And we did the small, um, we did a small West coast, December winter tour, froze our asses off in kind of preparation because we had these songs and we had to go and play them live. We never played them live. Yeah. So we did this warm up tour and getting the tour, um, which I would like to point out, we did not buy on. Um, we did not pay money to be on that tour. They used a source of pride. They, they liked the music and they asked us, to support them. And we didn't know we were going to be the only support band on this tour, which is pretty unusual for a tour. Yeah. One, one support band. So we were direct support every night. Um, you were playing at like five o'clock, six o'clock. Nope. Nope. Yeah. They were gracious enough to give us at least a 30 minute sound check every single night. That's so awesome. They did not have to do any of that stuff. Their crew were so gracious to us. So it was a big learning experience. Um, playing ace of spades in san diego where like you know you see all these old posters of like deftone shows and stuff and like all these venues that we were playing all the old places the gramercy theater in new york is a legendary venue um that was an old um theater uh play theater in the 1920s and like you know these venues that i have personally uh, just loved and have always wanted to play. I got to play and, uh, yep. having the family come down, there was no Seattle date, but playing down in Portland, having a bunch of the family, you know, we had, you know, the girlfriends and friends all came down and we were able to get everybody in and just, uh, that's awesome. It's, it's nuts walking out there, man. And just having 2000 people all of a sudden, like by, by the third or fourth song, we would usually get them. And they were jumping up and down and singing along less, like a, you know, Chelsea or one of those songs. Yeah. So that's, so you won some people over. We did. Yeah. Um, there was a few nights where we did not win them over <laughs> at all, <laughs> but that's a testament to like yeah. how amazing the used fans are. They are yeah. so dedicated 
to that band and we admire that so much so yeah, yeah. it's uh it was just such a thrill and such an amazing experience and their whole crew are so pro unbelievable that's awesome man um if we were in a different timeline and uh you know like i'm sure we would be going to concerts a lot and, and things like that but you guys would probably be uh where, would you guys where would you be europe right now would you guys be on the east coast would, yeah would we would be in europe and uh do you have those like in your schedule and you're seeing them every day like son of a bitch <laughs> not any i mean uh, no you have to delete them yeah yeah that's the kind of thing like you're just like just just uh just lock up that dropbox file or something like i don't want to yeah. yeah yeah but um we were gonna be actually i'm probably slightly off i think we were gonna be in europe like in like a month okay. but still like it's fine yeah well we'll get back to those things and and um you know in due time and who knows what the timeline is um but you guys um you know being the fact that you have done home recording you're uh you know doing that all the time with youtube that's kind of your thing is you you you're all about gear and 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 all of that uh have you been writing anything for new drag under yeah there's lots of uh there's lots of demos and there's some there's some new stuff that's been finished and done that, uh, that people may hear at some point, but, uh, awesome. yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty busy behind the scenes. That's uh, cool. and initially it was weird working remotely, but we would work just like you and I are talking now yeah. and we just crank up our speakers and then I can hear what you're working on and you can hear what I'm working on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, adapt and overcome is pretty much how we've always worked anyway. So um, you were just talking about just right now about, um, doing these remote zoom, uh, sessions and stuff. And, and something that I've noticed, um, is these collaborations of obviously like two minutes to late night, uh, the most, yes. cool, cool, the fever three, three, three black Dahlia murder and, uh, members from other bands doing, uh, faith no more, uh, uh-huh. all kinds of other covers. Has there been any, um, like YouTube videos, collaborations, covers, or, or, uh, you know, live streams that have really kind of blown your mind uh that you've checked out that code orange one was really really mind-blowing at first at the beginning Code orange one was good um the two minutes to midnight i'm a huge fan of that show anyway yeah but they are continually just killing it yep um who was who did the latest one it wasn't wasn't gojira it was um Suicide Silence has been killing it with their like. It was Suicide Silence. Yeah. Oh, Trivium. Trivium did the live. Yep. Like during in a show. Um, I love the creativity of the remote collabs. Yeah. Um, I'm in two collabs that'll be out probably next week that are wow. just crazy. Like I'm just like, wait, how did I get into this? Like this is okay. wait, what? Unbelievable! It's crazy. I'm stoked to check it out. Um, obviously Jared Dines doing some collaboration. Uh, he's got some really cool stuff going on. Um, there's so much rad stuff going on and in like this weird necessity is breeding creativity in this like crazy way. Um, I never did videos. Um, uh, I'm obviously way behind on the curve on that one, but I feel like there's all these little things that like you're, you're ahead of in in that space, but I feel like a lot of people (laughs) are going to come out of this, uh, pandemic 
with a whole new skill set of things like, yeah. Hey, you know, I learned how to do, you know, graphic design yes. or I learned how to do this. I read 20 books or, you know, <laughs> I'm taking guitar lessons. There you are. You. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, really? I, I, I want to be better. I want to, I'm taking, I'm learning theory. So I'm learning okay. where the where's and why's of guitar. And I'm learning from a guy named Ben Eller who does a lot of stuff with like white chapel and, and bands cool. like that. So yeah. Awesome, man. So you're yeah, going to yeah. start a tech death band. Yeah. I'm going to be in like a, a tech grind core with a twist of French pop. It's going to be great. Oh, great, man. Dude, that's awesome. Great. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about, um, your, uh, your, you know, history of music. So th- these weren't your first bands, dude. You, you're a band uh-huh. dude for life. Uh, dude. So what's the first and maybe what's the first band you were ever in? Like I'm talking junior high elementary school. I want the name. I want a couple of the song titles, even if it's cringeworthy. The first, um, the first serious band I was in was, uh, called subway rocket. Okay. And, uh, we played in federal way, Washington at, um, at Decatur high school, sophomore year. And we were named after a Mesa Boogie guitar amp. Nice. And, uh, we had, we had, uh, we had songs, I think called like life of a fly or something like that. Okay. Was it like pop punk or kind of, it was like, okay. So our one guitarist was really into built to spill and arches of loaf. Okay. I was really into bad religion Okay. and good, and good riddance. So it was somewhere in between. It was like this weird, like we would switch gears and then do these really like indie. It was pretty bad. Noodling. Yeah, it was, it was pretty bad, but those, that was the band that I first played shows with and like okay. drove to venues and got stiffed by the owner and like all those things that happen when you're a kid. And yeah, it's a very long time ago. Did you play club impact in Tacoma? No. No. no, we played the Java jump. That was the, uh, nice. played the Java jump. And I don't know if club impact was around back then. Club impact oh. was, uh, cause I was playing shows. I started playing shows in about 1995. Oh, okay. So club impact is probably around 98, 99, something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Just after that. And then, uh, okay. So what was the first, even before then, uh, what was the first album you ever purchased with your own money? Ooh, that's a great question. Um, Nirvana's in utero. Nice. Okay, cool. Yeah. I was uh, a huge Nirvana fan and I bought that, uh, right when it came out with my paper out money. I remember waiting, sitting, uh, and waiting for, uh, smells like teen spirit music video to come on MTV. Like just like hoping the next video was that like, oh, right. Oh. You know, they really changed the world and being around you. You're from here. Yeah. You grew oh, up yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, I have friends ask me like, what was it like back then? I'm like, dude, you would look like my first show ever was KISW's pain in the grass. Nice. And it was grunt truck, seven year bitch and Rorschach test. Yes. At the mural amphitheater mm-hmm. for free. Yeah. That was my first show. And I remember just being blown away and I thought I want to do that for the rest of my life. Like that's all I want to do. That's rad, man. I, uh, that's those, there's some of those videos actually on YouTube. I saw a forced entry playing, um, uh, pain in the grass, um, on YouTube. There's like clips of that. I'm like, dude, have you seen the Alice in Chains? No. In, 
Alston Chains playing the mural amphitheater. They tagged it really weird, so it's kind of hard to find. They're playing Pain in the Grass in 1990. That's Unsigned awesome. Alston Chains. Wow, that's cool, man. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Socially distanced. Um, okay, so you, you buy that record. What gets you going to shows? What was the first concert you attended like as a, as a, um, as a kid? As a kid, kid, like not, not the yeah, grunt truck. First lie. Oh yeah. So that was your first concert. Uh, so that was your first concert. Did you go to any concerts before that? Like with your As, parents like um, Aerosmith or at the Puyallup fair or something? No. Uh, the only thing I ever went to was a guy named Tim Noah. Oh yes. I remember Tim Noah. Um, who's like an Oscar Emmy award-winning children's songwriter. I'm more of a Raffy guy. All right. All right. Well, we had, what was the album called? The Wow Wow Wibble Woggle Wazzy Woodle Woo, I think it was called. I don't know that one. Yeah, it was a video. So it was a video and an album. He was like really one of the first multimedia artists, also okay. from Seattle. Uh, and yeah. and uh, his guitar player was, fr- uh, was dating my mom's friend, and he got us tickets. Wow. To go to the Moore Theater to see Tim Noah. Super, super sold out show. Wow. This would have been 1986. Okay. Yeah. Um, that was like the first live event I ever went to. But after that, I didn't see another one until Grunt Truck and Seven Year Bitch in 93. Did you, did you get in the mosh pit when you were a kid for the, not for Tim Noah, but for the pain in the grass? Did you get in the pit, dude? Did you, did you throw down? Um, I did go up there. Um, this would have, this had to have been 94 cause there's the YouTube video of 93. Okay. This was 94, definitely 94. So I was in eighth grade and, uh, yes, I did go just briefly. I was scared to death and there was so much flannel and long hair Yep. and there was a shirt cannon dude and yeah. KSW was right there for everything. It was amazing. I want, I want a shirt cannon, dude. I do. I'm sure it's kicking around the station somewhere. Oh my god! Giant. I want a shirt cannon. I'm, I'm going to look up a shirt cannon on Amazon. <laughs> um, so uh, I'm curious about. Um, so this is kind of a okay. So 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 humor me on this. So. Imagine you're having like a crap day as some of us have these days. Uh, you're getting a lot of negativity from the news or whatever, uh, like a negative feedback loop. What is an album that you can go back to time and time again, that can just break you out of that mood, just be a positive force for you. Maybe just an inspirational record or just good vibe record. What's something that you can go back to that'll just, you know, get you in a good mood. Um, Lately, honestly, uh, I've been using this album for that specific purpose, uh, Bad Religion, Stranger Than Fiction. Nice. Um, I bought that album brand new when it was out in 1995, not knowing mm-hmm. who they were. Yeah. Um, and I bought it at Kmart, about the tape, and I wore it out, I think, several times. I bought multiple copies, but uh, that's an album for me that really takes me back to just this snapshot in time of I had no responsibilities or anything, but I really was the first time I would listen to something and go, wow, right. Like, what are they talking about? Like, what the, cause they deal with like some heavy stuff, you know, 21st century digital boy yeah. incomplete and infected and all that stuff. So yeah, I, uh, I have been listening to that on my record player quite a bit lately. 
That's awesome, man. Um, I actually listened to no control today, which is, uh, an awesome record too. Um, so, uh, let's, let's, uh, Talk a little bit about some Northwest bands. So you uh, you said that your first show was Grunt Truck. Uh, I know you, you grew up here in the Northwest. What are four, and I'm putting you on the spot, four Northwest bands that influenced you growing up? Uh, Allison Chains. Okay. Nirvana. Um, I'm going to say, I mean, obviously everyone's in the, you know, Soundgarden and like every every grunge band is influential, but I'm gonna leave Alice in Chains and Nirvana as those bands. But for me, growing up when I was cutting my teeth, there was this band called Formula One. Oh that, yeah, okay. uh, I, I believe um, the singer's name was. Um, why am I re- not remembering his name? He's in Nashville now, um, and he's still a singer songwriter guy. But Formula One. And there was another band called Squelch that okay. that were huge influences and positive influences for me when I was like 17 years old. They're the ones that got my band into KGRG and like That's got awesome. to play live on air. Yeah. And uh, they were, they were Lou, Lou from formula one is in uh, okay. Nashville. But uh, those guys were the first guys that I ever remember kind of even knowing, I didn't know them, know them, know them, but uh they wouldn't remember me, but those were the first guys that left town and like toured and stuff. Okay. So, yeah, very obscure. You can't find any, you can still find formula one on YouTube, but squelch. No way. Good luck. Um, what, uh, well, okay. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, YouTube. So you, obviously you're a YouTuber. Uh, what are your favorite personal YouTube channels? I, I don't actually watch a lot of guitar stuff. Okay. I love things like uh, Adam Savage's tested Adam Savage from the Mythbusters mm-hmm. um, has a YouTube channel. I love weird history. I love cheddar. I love, so it's like a Vox kind of a thing. Okay. Um, he's very enclosed documentaries. Um, I love Vox um, Buzzfeed. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think uh, engineering guy. Um, is a narrator on NPR and like, I love sciencey nerdy stuff. And I also love like welding woodworking stuff, even though I don't do okay. any of that stuff, but, uh, I, it satisfies the part of my brain that used to work on cars when I was a young man, yeah, and, uh, yeah. which is where the guitar gear thing comes from. I used to tear apart engines and, and, you know, work on cars for a living to raise my daughter in most of my twenties. And, uh, yeah. the guitar gear thing kind of feeds into that whole thing. I love how things work and, it's very, I don't know. It's a tactile thing, I guess for me, okay. but yeah, that's what I'm into. How about ASMR? No, that's weird. <laughs> so a uh, weird thing about me is I actually, I, I'm, I don't listen to a ton of hip hop. I like hip hop, but I, as far as like YouTube videos, I, I often find when I'm at work, I just listen to YouTube, uh, like hip hop news because of how wild it tends to be and how interesting yeah. like metal news yeah. is cool, but it doesn't, it doesn't like it half as crazy as hip hop news. Agreed. So I'm, I'm always finding out about the weird new Takashi beefs and stuff. So yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, do you have any advice for anyone who wants to, to be a, a YouTuber? Um, yeah, I would say do what you find interesting. 
Um, there has been, I mean, the market is saturated with like guitar nerd guys. I started in 2011 and I was only doing it because it killed some extra time I had. And I was always that guy anyway, like back in the nineties, my friends would ask me what the best distortion pedal was for 30 bucks or yeah, it was always this guy and everyone is passionate about something and do that. And, and cause the people want to see you passionate about whatever it is you're passionate about. So don't ever do it for views or money or any of that because there's, <laughs> there's not a lot of money in it, but it can be used as a stepping stone and as a resume. It's, it's a visual resume to get you other stuff and other jobs for sure. So just do whatever you genuinely think is awesome. Well, that's something that I think is specifically with YouTube is people will know if you're faking it and people like it when you're yourself. Like, you know, that's why people watch videos of people doing tutorials of makeup that might not be that interested exactly. in makeup, but they're like honest and like fucking real. And there's, exactly right. there's videos of people just doing these vlogs of things that you don't care about, but they're just so honest and, and upfront right. about everything and you know, they, they just do it because that's who they are. Yeah. There's a guy in the UK, his channel's called Techmoan, and he okay. only reviews and checks out old, outdated, no longer made tech. And I'm talking about like laser disc players or old tape decks. Yeah. On paper, it's the driest, most boring thing you've ever heard of in your life. He makes it so interesting. Cool. You're just like, tell me more about the RCA two inch tape reel. Like, <laughs> it's amazing. So just, just be passionate about it. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Well, uh, I'm just going to wrap this up here real quick. What, uh, pick a scar on your body and tell us the story of how you got it and show us show, uh, show everyone here the scar on your body, man. Um, if you can, yeah, all right. Break any rules. Um, I think, I don't know if you can actually, wait, hang on. I can't see my camera. There is a slight scar on my wrist. It's trying to focus on my, uh... oh, you can kind of see it. Okay. Yeah. Um, when I worked on cars, I, I did front end suspension stuff a lot. And um, I was taking apart the front end of an old seventies Mercedes. Okay. And it had a control arm and it had a, a, a spring. Uh, it had the suspension spring and it had the shock that held everything together. But when I unbolted the, the arm to come out as an assembly, the shock was worn out and I had no way of knowing. And the shock came apart and the spring, the big coil spring shot out. <clears throat> and got me there, got my leg. Like it went <laughs> like things exploded and like, I thought I'd cut my, like my wrist was like bleeding, bleeding, Jesus. but I, but it didn't, it didn't cut anything like major. Thank God. But, oh, uh, God. it was damn close, but yeah. But there. Wow. All right, man. Uh, dude, brutal star story. I just talked with, uh, the guitarist from this black metal band from Sweden called Nagelfar. And I asked him the same question and he said that he has a scar, um, from when his, the, the mother of his child stabbed him. I have a stab scar too, but I can't, I can't show you where that is. Okay. 
Yeah, he got stabbed by the mother of his child, and he said, Oof. "Yeah, he's uh, he has a, a scar to remind him of that woman forever." I'm like, Jesus Christ, dude. Okay, black metal. Uh, uh, <laughs> that is very metal. Yes, exactly. Uh, so again, fluff. Ryan Bruce uh, dragged under. Um, is there anything you'd like to plug? Where can we follow you? Where can we, um, you know, uh, what's the best way to support the band right now? Uh, dragdender.com, just ordering any merch or uh, just listening to us. Just honestly, just just pumping up the uh, the Spotify numbers. Um, if you search fluff on YouTube, you'll find me. Yeah, and uh, I'm around. I'm around everywhere. Right on, man. Thanks again, dude. Thank you. I appreciate you. Hell yeah. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 